Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. We'll all have heard a phrase that's been kind of thrown around uh, over this last couple of years, been around for a lot longer than that, and that is that uh, when something happens, you know, a big event, like kind of like a pandemic where people say, you know, we're all in the same boat, and I don't kind of prescribe to that. Um, we might all be in the same storm when it comes to certain things, but we definitely have different boats. Some people have experience a, a pandemic or, or whatever they're going through in different ways to, to others. Some people have access to resources that others don't have, etc. And it kind of goes on like that. I'm not entirely convinced that we are all in the same boat. So we're going to kind of exp explore that this morning. So by using Psalm 104 um, and that kind of promise that in the story of Noah in the book of Genesis. So the opening of Psalm 104, where it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, is quite a familiar phrase to us. It's the opening to Matt Redmond's 10,000 Reasons, and it's found in numerous hymns. Um, it's also the opening to Psalm 103, so there's a psalm that's right before it. And what I love about it is the response of the psalmist to that opening line of laying out how amazing the Lord is. So the psalmist speaks to the Lord in, in terms of like a relationship, like a father and a child. He says, O Lord, my God. O Lord, my God. And then through the next eight verses, we have the psalmist documenting what the Lord has done in the past. It also follows the, the order of creation set down in Genesis 1. But we, we're not to lose sight of what the psalmist is doing here. He's not looking to talk about um, the creation as much, but actually looking to highlight about the creator, trying to highlight the, the creator and preserver of all things. As Morag said, the psalm has a kind of subtitle, which is God the creator and the provider. And the psalmist describes the, the beauty of creation, declaring, oh Lord, what a variety of things you've made. Look at all of these things. And in wisdom, you've made them all. In your wisdom, you've made them all. See, the author of the psalm seems to understand how creation works. They knew about birds' nests and where mountain goats live and the great skill of the lion as it hunts its prey. The vast array of, of creatures that are found in the sea, you know, even Leviathan, which we think is a whale, a big whale big blue whale. He obviously knew creation intimately. They must have spent a lot of time observing God's creation and seeing what was out there. 
learning how they actually all fit together. That that little seed that becomes a big tree is not the, the end of that. It becomes the nesting place of, of many different birds and that they all are inspired to worship the Creator. And I love that, that verse 31, which is why we stopped the, if, you re, if you're reading the psalm along with Morag, you'll have seen that there was a few other verses, but I love verse 31 where it says that God rejoices in the creation, His creation. This beauty and variety of the things that are out there in God's creation bring Him that joy. And if we were to have looked at chapter 4 of Mark's gospel and what we know as the, the parables, we, we see Jesus demonstrating this similar detailed understanding of creation. He describes all of the issues that, that can hinder the growth of a seed, whether it's the, um, a drought that causes plants to wither. It might be that the, the rocky ground means that the, the seed isn't able to take root. And so even although he was a carpenter to trade, Jesus brings this intimate knowledge of creation. He understands it. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us because the Bible tells us that all things were created for and by our Lord Jesus. It's in him that, that all things are held together. He is the Lord of all creation. So it's not a surprise that Jesus considered it important for us to observe the creation that is out there. But Jesus shows us something else too. He teaches us that not only does he have this intimate relationship with creation, but that we can also learn from our Heavenly Father by observing it, that we learn more about our Heavenly Father when we look out into the creation, whether it's through weeds that we see, whether it's the, the character of birds, the power of a mustard seed, the smallest seed that you can get and the amazing uh, plant that comes from it. But the thing is, we live in quite a busy, busy world. We're always busy. There's always things to be doing. That we sometimes fail to take time to just observe creation. You think of times where you've been struck by something. It might be a sunset or a you know, think of a time where you've just been struck by God's creation. It might be a mountain. I get it most times when I'm kind of coming over and I just see a beautiful landscape and it just hits me and it's amazing. It's just wonderful. But we don't often take time because we're so busy. And the thing is, from the Psalms and from the, the Gospels, we're able to see the way that creation reveals more of God's character, and it should inspire us to worship Him. We're able to see what it is that, that God delights in and finds joy when He looks upon what He has made. But the thing is, Noah's Ark can be seen as a picture of our planet, our, our planet Earth today. A planet where we are all squashed together, like those animals and the people would have been on the ark, all competing for space and resources. It were also a planet that God has made enough 
for us to be sustainable, every single person on this planet. Made a world where if we just saw our, our need for others and how interdependent we actually were with our creation, that we would actually get along a lot better, that we would be able to eradicate a lot of the issues that we have on our planet. The thing is, we sometimes, one of, the, one of the biggest issues that we have in our 21st century world is that we like to see ourselves as individuals. Everything that we look at is about you being the best you. And we need to start figuring out how to be the best we. Because we're not islands, not one of us. We need to be in relationship with one another. Because we were created for that. God is a, a God of relationship. We're created for relationship. We're not individuals. We need to recognize that we are dependent on other people. We're dependent on the ecosystem that exists on our planet. We're dependent on the smallest of insects and the work that they do. So while we're all supposed to be in this same boat, this perfect creation that God delights and has joy in, that we are working together for the best of everyone. When we look out into our world today, we can see the many, many ways that we have damaged this beautiful gift that God has given us. The ways that we live and the ways that we work, the way that we consume things have pushed creation to the breaking point. There's one example that seemed ludicrous to me, but in recent years, there's been a lot of publicity about the decline in bee populations. Bees, why would that matter? And there's a whole bunch of causes as to why this is happening, but they reckon that there's about 90% of the bee populations have either been killed or, or wrecked over these last kind of decades, and it might be that it's, you know, toxins that are in pesticides, it might be that, you know, there's environmental pollution that's doing it, we've, and the problem with that is that we're directly responsible for that, whichever way you look at it, whether it's the, the spreading of, of these pesticides or whether it's just the pollution that we create, the bees' welfare is closely tied to ours and vice versa. Because it's estimated that 70% of all crops are pollinated by bees. And that's why it matters. We need the bees. And the scary event is if they were to become extinct, what would happen to the crops that need these bees? Our humanity, humankind, are at threat. And whether that's scaremongering or not, it does illustrate just how closely our welfare is tied to others, all other parts of God's creation, that without the bees, there would be no land of milk and honey. You see, in God's creation, all our relationships with the, the rest of the creation are essential. And I saw a, a recent BBC article, and it really angered me. 
this article was showing these just mountains, mountains of rubbish, just rubbish. And they kept pulling away, and it just got bigger and bigger, and the area that it covered was ridiculous. A f what was once a flowing river was just filled with plastic. And as they went into this, they delved into this mountain of rubbish and they pulled out a, a wrapper. And as they were opening it up, and I'm not going to mention the supermarket, but it was a, a meal deal, sandwich wrapper, completely, con you know, you could read everything that was on it. It had just been flung away and it was in this mountain of rubbish. Now, Part of me thinks that would be okay if we were dumping it in our own garden and we were getting to see it. But the problem is this mountain of rubbish was across in India. It had traveled all the way from the UK and had been dumped over the other side of the world. We're getting rid of our rubbish and planting it over in another part of the world developing country going over to a so-called, you know, developing country. We call ourselves developed and we're just passing the buck with our rubbish. Pollution that we are passing on to this other part of the world, thinking that it's out of sight, out of mind. But the problem is, all we're doing is moving it over there and creating the, the climate crisis that we have. It will affect us. It is affecting us now. But we're directly just dumping it in another part of the world. That's not caring for our fellow brothers and sisters at all. In chapter 8 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he talks about how creation is in bondage to decay, that it's tapped in this frustration and it cries out for a kind of liberation. This is what we need. We need to be addressing this stuff. And I hope that when the, the global leaders come to Glasgow, you know, next week and for the next couple of weeks, that they're going to start addressing this stuff. Whether it's plastic pollution that's littering seas and the poorest communities, or species that are going, you know, extinct at record rates because we're ruining the planet, or the, the climate crisis that we have, where we've got droughts and floods and storms that are more frequent than ever before. We've misused and damaged this planet, this beautiful gift from God. And we are seeing the effects of it here in the UK. But the impacts are hitting people in some of the poorest countries in the world. And we have a direct responsibility for that. So when we hear that, we're all in the same boat. I don't think it's strictly true at all. The so-called developed world is damaging the planet in ways that are affecting all people from enjoying those lives that, that we're called to. You know, around the world, millions of people are being pushed back into poverty because of this climate change. And I read that in 2016, world hunger had started to increase for the first time in a decade, and it's continued to increase each and every year. And that that's because of climate change and 
not being able to have access to the foods that we've had, and also conflict. And the conflict being exasperated by the fact that people are looking to try and take other people's resources when you can't have your own. You know, the science is clear that this climate crisis is being caused by us, human beings, humankind. The impacts of it are starting to accelerate. We're running out of time to prevent the, the worst effects. We have to act fast. We need to try and get our governments to, to see the need to change. We need to change some of the things we do as we live. And right now we have that unique window of opportunity because how the government chooses to re rebuild after this pandemic is massive. It'll shape our economy, our climate, our society for the decades and decades to come. This is a crucial, crucial moment. In the Bible, Jesus tells us that the most important commandments are to love God and to love our neighbors. You see, tackling the climate crisis is vital to both of those. That we honor God by protecting his creation and we love our global neighbors who are hit first and worst by this climate emergency. Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Our world is broken, but God is at work. He's reconciling, restoring. And to me, this is why we need to have a much bigger view of our Lord Jesus. He didn't come just to reconcile you or me with my Father in heaven. Sure, Jesus did come to secure our salvation, but he also came to reconcile and restore all things in heaven and on earth. That's far, far more than just us as individuals. Jesus came to begin the restoration of the world to how God intended it to be, to make all things new. Jesus values creation. He shows us how it reveals the love of the Father, how it brings restoration and healing, how we are all in need of one another. Everything is united all the way back to our loving God. That we can have hope because of Jesus' death on the cross, all things can be made new. Everything that sin has broken and corrupted can be restored and reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus. And what's more, we can be part of it. Jesus invites us to participate in his mission in this world. The world is crying out and God is at work and we're invited to join him in a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to their Father in heaven and also reconciling people to the creation that we've been given to steward. That we might see it restored. And that's the fullness of the gospel. It's not a side issue for niche people that are 
into the climate and into the environment. It's important for us all. It's a part of the gospel. We need to take heed of that, that as human beings, we have a job to do. Because the thing that the story of Noah reminds us of is how human beings fit into God's bigger plan. For God, from God's perspective, we are not simply one randomly evolved species that landed on this planet amongst a million of others. We're actually called, set apart for a particular role and a calling within that creation. And at the time of the, the great flood, God had a plan to save people, other animals, the climate of the planet. And he could have implemented that himself with just in a stroke. Easy, done. But he chose a human being, this creature that was made in his image, to fulfill his plans. And from our reading in verse 8 this morning from Genesis, chapter 9, it says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Noah is the first great conservationist. In another sense, he's the very first great missionary. He's been sent by God. He's the first to be given this specific calling and a job description to go to the people. Now, you and I probably aren't called to build a, a big boat, a big ark, but we are called to look after God's creation. Back in Genesis 1, the creation accounts show God's very first words to human beings as a call to be responsible leaders. In Genesis 1, uh, verse 26, God says, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. This responsibility for creation's welfare is fundamental to who we are as human beings. And it's not about having a dominion that results in domination and exploitation, that somehow we can do whatever we like with it. It's actually about reflecting God's image on how we exert our rule and responsibility for the creation's well-being. So we have to be looking at making practical moves towards caring for our planet. We need to see that as a, an essential expression of Christian mission. And indeed, David and I were at a presbytery gathering this week, and we were looking and we were being reminded that the five marks of mission that were adopted by the Church of Scotland are as follows. The first is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. The second is to teach, baptize, and nurture new believers. 
The third is to respond to human need by loving service. The fourth is to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind and pursue peace and reconciliation. And here's the fifth one, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. The fifth one, not tucked in there as a, an afterthought, just as important as the other four. As Christians, we must do everything that we can to safeguard God's creation. Seeking God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven that we pray every week means that we need to hold on to a vision of all creation working together in harmony. We need to seek lifestyles and policies that, that both help the world's poor and protect our biodiversity. So the question is, how can we respond now? Well, as individuals, we need to remain convicted enough to use our recycling bins. A very, very practical way of starting small. That we're not throwing away packaging that, that can be recycled and we just put it in a thinking that it goes to some imaginary dump somewhere. But it does, it goes to the other side of the world. It might be that we, as a church, look to partner with organizations such as Tear Fund and there are many others that, that look to do their, their best work with parts of the world um, where this is really affecting them in ways that we, at the moment, aren't experiencing. There's also the fact that as a church, we're exploring the idea of becoming an equal congregation, that we keep that at the forefront of our minds. What does that mean when we, when we talk about that? What does... What do we have to do? What are the things that we implement to make sure that we as a congregation, a group of people trying to make a difference, that we might be an example to others, you know, that light in the darkness. There are many other things, and I ask you to think about it. What are the things that we can do as individuals? What are the things we can do as a church that we might help address this climate emergency that we find ourselves in. Because as Christians, we are called to steward this planet well and its resources, that we might come to a point where we better distribute it, that we find ourselves in that ark, that we are all there together, sharing the resources, that no one is in need. And maybe one day, maybe one day soon, We'll be able to say with all seriousness that we're all in the same boat once again. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you that you are a God of justice. We thank you that you know all those already being impacted by climate change. Lord Jesus, we're sorry for the ways that we've damaged your creation. Would you help us to make changes in our own lives, to love our global neighbors well? And Holy Spirit, as world leaders gather in Glasgow for COP26, would you stir their hearts?
Would you guide them in all their decision-making? Would you inspire them to look past self-interest and look to protect the most vulnerable? All this we ask in the precious name of Jesus, that one day again you might look upon your creation and rejoice. Amen.